That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Hello, we're Bloopcast. My name's James. I'm Ewan. And I'm Rob. But the question is, why we call it the Bloopcast? Yes. Today, we are discussing one of my all-time favourite games, Resident Evil 1. I'm making it really clear, we're talking about one and not the entire series because we just discussed the entire X-Men series and I really don't want this to turn into another two-hour discussion yeah. of every I, I, game ever. Before we before <laughs> no. that, actually got, I have to thank Ewan because he actually helped me with the editing of the last one and it made life so much easier. It's, it's kind of, it saved my ass a bit, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we will eventually do episodes on the other games because, I mean, I adore Resident Evil 2. It's one of my favourite games of all time, but... James played it, and we don't want to make this a marathon, oh, and to yeah. get his own dedicated episode. As a uh, sort of to preface this as well, I have not finished Resident Evil 1. I have played it, I really love it, I'm enjoying it, and I'm going to complete it one day, but I'm really bad at it, and also I kind of want to take, <laughs> <laughs> I want to take the time to, to really finish it. But I have played, I've played enough to sort of know what's going on, and I've listened to a video that Ewan sent me of the, <laughs> of the best poor voice acting. <laughs> of the, so Resident Evil, I first discovered... I, we're going to jump straight into how I discovered it. My, I first discovered it on the YouTube Machinima series Idiot Box, which makes use of a ton of the uh, lines from... Uh, or the voice acted lines from Resident Evil. So when I finally played Resident Evil for the first time, it was a joy to me to play through it and realize that all of those lines were all... You know, so things like, what is it? It's a weapon. It's really powerful, especially against living things. Th things like that where... Idiot Box was just full of like ripped audio from the game. And so that was my my discovery. I then, um, to, to counterbalance James just starting the series, I should really stress, I've played the GameCube version, the PS3 remake version, the original PlayStation 1 version, and the director's cut um, PlayStation 1 version. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really big fan of this game, of just this one game in the series. Um, it's like I, I started playing Resident Evil 2, and I was like, this is pretty cool, but is it 1, though? And then I just went back to 1. So, so I'm going to jump in explain how I discovered Resident Evil and it's a bit different to Ewan so um, I actually didn't get into Resident Evil until about uh, I think it's nearly two years ago now I'd already played like Silent Hill and that was like my favourite horror game and I loved Silent Hill but what put me off Resident Evil was I heard um, about you had to save with like a, a resource like ink ribbons and it's funny that that's what put me off because now there's an aspect of the game that I love which we'll get into later but what eventually got me into the series was around like late 2018, 2019, early 2019, Normal Boots um, had a debate show on their channel oh. called Madness, which is, um, they got a panel of like various YouTubers to talk about video games to like, like debate topics. And for the for one season, they were doing PS1 games and Resident Evil 2 was um, one of the games on there. And it, Resident Evil 2 actually ended up winning. And the way they spoke about Resident Evil 2 made me realize shit, this game sounds amazing, I have to get it. So I, I ended up going, I think, first to eBay, where I failed to acquire it through several auctions, and then went to Amazon and got a copy, 
I loved it. It was like, this instantly became one of my favourite games ever made, if not, maybe not my actual absolute favourite, but in terms of PS1 games, it's in my top three, along with Spyro 3 and Oddworld, Abe's Exodus. Yes. Sorry, yeah, come on. But yeah, then after playing the second one, I went to the first one, and I liked the atmosphere, but I found the mansion way too taunting and big to get to get around. So I found it way, yeah, I found it way too overwhelming, and so I didn't end up playing through it because I I had no idea what I was doing. So it wasn't until doing this episode that I went around and actually played through not just the first game in full, but the, the remake, played the remake on the Switch, where I actually played the remake first, then went back to the PS1 version to see what exactly was different, what they added in the remake, so I could discuss it fully. So I did three playthroughs, so two playthroughs of the remake, so I did a Chris and the Jill playthrough, and then I did one Jill playthrough of the original. This is the thing we need to mention, is that there are multiple versions of uh, Resident Evil 1, including not only the original PlayStation 1 game, but also a PlayStation 1 re-release called the Director's Cut. Um, and then, There's two there versions was, of that. There, there, was a, a... there was two versions of that, yeah. Um, one of them called DualShock, which we'll talk about later because it's one of the greatest games ever made for all of the wrong reasons. And then, <laughs> and then a few years later in 2002, I should mention 1996, 1997 for the first in the director's cut. But then the remake was 2002. So it was a good few years later when, you know, we had a lot of horror games had already come out, including Resident Evil 2 and 3 by this point. And Silent um, Hill would come along as well. Yeah, the remake you mentioned has been ported to other systems. Like like I mentioned, I played it on the Switch. Mm. And it's amazing me able to play the game portably as yeah. well. Oh, wow. And, um, we should mention with the remake, like they completely updated it from the PlayStation 1 graphics. It looks like complete almost completely different apart from just the general you know layout of the levels and everything but the actual graphics and everything were just completely overhauled the as much as i love the original voice acting it was probably a good idea that they did um update the voice acting as well uh, so and they added in more content which we'll get into so yeah there's the remake it has a lot of stuff to discuss on its own but first um james hello what Yes. What was your experience with but before, Resident Evil? Before I jump into that, also, like, I'm a big fan of Gmod Idiot Box, by the way, Ewan, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, and also, I enjoyed uh, Normal Boots as well. Uh, it's it's a very amusing to me that you both actually heard about uh, Resident Evil through, like, kind of the internet. I want to say it's kind of like the gaming internet renaissance sort of period where, like, a bunch of artists and stuff like that got together and started recording themselves playing video games and making weird stuff with those video games. Mm. But... To be honest, you guys introduced me to it, and it happened this year, really. Although, <laughs> actually, wait, no, actually, no, that's not true. So I did have an experience with Resident Evil 4 uh, at university, and <laughs> also my brother played it. But as to Resident Evil 1 itself, that was mainly, basically, Ewan kind of messaged me saying, like, it's the best game ever. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, and eventually, I got, I got, recently this year, I got a PlayStation 2. Which has been wonderful. I've been playing all the sorts of games like Spyro, the uh, Legend of Spyro, sorry, and uh, Rayman and all that stuff, and Resident Evil as well. I got that on eBay, and I've been playing that and really dying horribly in it. 
yeah. We'll, we'll have some fun stories about um, our playthroughs because there's some stuff oh. I kind of want to brag about yes. when, when I play through the game. Before before I finish mine, actually, because mine's going to be quite short. You guys saw it in real time, but I was like messaging you guys as I was playing the game. It was like <laughs> streaming of con- I think you had actually described it as streaming in consciousness or something like that. It was, yeah. Like, literally, I, it was... I was like, it was so painful for me because like, I was seeing you struggle and I was like, oh, no, what you should do, don't do this. I was like, I was, I was, like, like, I was trying to say, don't, and you was like, don't tell him, don't yeah, tell I was him. Like, I was like, so hard. I was like, Rob, no, he must learn. <laughs> Oh my god! Like the whole time, I was just like, "Oh, I've got this now. I've got this now." Strike! <laughs> All in caps. Oh, to be honest, favorite my favorite bit was the um, the shotgun. I was like, "Wait till you find the shotgun. Wait till you find the shotgun." And then he's like. Oh, he's fucked it. He's um, he's missed the best bit of the game. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's oh, the thing. We don't. Here's the thing. I got the. All right. Uh, there's apparently a there's a trap shotgun. You need to put a, like a broken shotgun on the wall before you pick up the new shotgun. I went in and I had the broken. No, I didn't have the broken shotgun. It was in my box. So I picked up the shotgun and all of a sudden the ceiling started like crushing, like falling upon me. And I was messaging the group like, there's a ceiling that's crushing me, what's going on? And I just ran back into the door where I came from and put the shotgun back and ran to the box. And it took me about 10 minutes basically. And I got like this broken shotgun and put it back and then Rob was just like, oh, that's okay. Okay. We need to explain the context. So basically yeah. when, when you play as Jill in the, in the, oh, and we should also mention that you've played through the game twice. Uh, first as well, I, I, either or you can play as Jill or Chris and they are both, um, we haven't even discussed what the plot is of this actually, game. To be honest, actually, <laughs> now that I said it, we should probably put a spoiler <laughs> warning right at the beginning of this podcast, actually. Okay. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Um, we discussed the entire plot of the game, and at the same time, the plot of the game does not matter at all because the game is not about the plot. Basically, the plot is an evil corporation is making zombies in a mansion. And also, <laughs> mechanics. Uh, surprises. Yeah. So, snakes. To explain the context of the shotgun, there is a part in the game where to acquire the shotgun, you need to get a broken shotgun and replace the actual work functional shotgun with it because otherwise the ceiling will collapse on you yes when you play as the character of chris redfield this is mandatory you have to do this but if you're playing as jill valentine who's the best character to play as yes you don't have to do this because if you don't replace the shotgun with a broken shotgun you get rescued at the last minute by the best character in the game barry burton who comes along saves jill and utters the greatest line in video game history, that was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. See, uh, I, complete, one... I completely missed that. <laughs> there, is, there is a point of contention, though. We don't know if he said Jill or Jibble sandwich. But You are that... not the only one, because um, <laughs> I remember... Um, remember, when you told, remember when you told me that, that uh, he thought it might be Jibble... I remember seeing Kadikaris did a video on the first Resident Evil, when he said, oh, when I was younger, I thought that was Jibble sandwich. I was like... You even said the exact same thing as Gadikras said. Because he says Jibble Sandwich. I don't care that it's like scripted as Jill Sandwich. He says Jibble. <laughs> very... I mean, the original line is dumb to say you were almost a Jill Sandwich. But then, like, to say Jibble Sandwich is just itself really yeah. dumb. Yeah, that particular character, Barry, has like some of the most infamous 
unquotable lines in the entire game. But just take a look at this. It's Forrest. Oh my god. Yeah, we, okay, so the context for that. So Resident Evil is a Japanese game. It was made by Capcom. And when they did the voice acting for it, they got a set of actors um, who basically did like localized work in Japan. So like English voice actors and English actors who would do adverts and things, which they would then like sell to American markets. So, you know, you need, you need an American for your American advert was that kind of thing. So they got these people and they uh, had them voice act in house in Japan, with, presumably without an English voice actor coach. You had a bunch of English voice actors being told to emote by Japanese people who didn't know the English language that well to the point that they didn't really understand how English speakers emote in different ways so that they recorded all of these different takes of the lines and then the Japanese just took whatever sounded the most emotional to them. It's awful! I think the thing that sets the tone for the game perfectly is, at least in the original, you get this wonderfully B-movie-ish live-action um, cutscene with these yeah. people outside in the... It's, it's so wonderful. Uh, my favourite bit is the bit where the helicopter flies away and Chris just stands there like, No! Don't go! <laughs> no! Don't go! <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it sets the tone perfectly because this is a B-movie game. Like, it has so many references to B-movie stuff. Um, and at the same time, it's pure schlock. You run around blowing up zombies' heads in a haunted mansion, basically. <laughs> but at the um, same time, it manages to have a really, really spooky atmosphere. Like that's yeah. my main selling point in the game is the atmosphere. It has its jump scares, but the thing that makes this game scariest is like the atmosphere because you're in this big anomalous mansion with like really spooky music. I need to play the DualShock version. I know it's like not clever enough to do it, but you know when you open the doors and stuff like that, I was always worried that there's going to be a zombie on the other side or some horrible thing. Do you know what I mean? That just jumps out at you. That's the thing. Like the wait, what? The limitations of the um, oh, croppers from the game being on the PS One, like the like the door, the the door transitions. They're a loading screen. They're to hide the loading, but Mm. it works really well. Like all the limitations help Mm. to sell the horror and add to the atmosphere. Oh, it's really creepy when you walk, you know, you walk through a door, you get this kind of, not slow, but this fairly atmospheric little uh, animation of a door opening and you can hear the, you know, hear the door opening. And then the next thing you do is you have a zombie literally walking towards you as you walk in. It throws you off because you can't see what you're walking into. Yeah. And the other thing is, you can't kill every zombie in the game. You do not have enough resources to do that because they take lots of bullets to take down and ammo is really hard to come by. As well as this, like healing items aren't as easy to find. And Mm. if a zombie bites you like a couple of times, you're dead. So this adds like some strategy to the game. It's like, do you kill the zombie or do you avoid them? Or do you fire like multiple pistol shots into the zombie? Or do you wait for them to get close enough to shoot the head off the shotgun? That's the thing. Like, I mean, I made the mistake of shooting everything in sight until I ran into the leeches. <laughs> I'm actually planning to restart my playthrough and, like, there are bits where you just literally need to run past the zombie or, like, literally yeah. wait for them to walk in a certain area, for instance. As you say, it's like a strategy. You kind of wait for them to walk in an area that's out of the way and then run past them and stuff like that. 
And even <laughs> saving the game is part of your strategy because mm. you have like you can only save you have like increments and those are a limited resource. Yeah. Um mm. at first this was what put me off playing the game, but now I love it because it's kind of like saving the game becomes part of your strategy. You could reach a save point, but you've used up all your ammo, you're nearly dead, and you have no healing items. It's like yeah, do you really want to save your game? Is mm. it is it is it worth wasting an ink ribbon on that? The game is is a lot more fair than I think people realize going in head on because yeah. you know it, it's very easy yeah to just like fire all of your bullets into in, like the first zombies you meet and then you you're immediately out of health items and then you run in run into a corridor where some dogs jump through and kill you. <laughs> like the game can be brutal, but then after the aforementioned dogs so there's a corridor you run through and some dogs jump through the window um but then once you get to the end of that corridor there's a health item on in the next room mm. and there, there's no zombies in that room either so it's actually a little reprieve but the game isn't as cruel as people realize it does give you a chance to breathe between the big like horrible moments and also yeah. as you're playing the game you slowly piece together like how the mansion's laid out. Mm. Like so, but like I said, when I first played it, I had no idea where the fuck I was going. I didn't know Very which confusing. doors led to what. <laughs> but once you learn it, you feel like so bad at it. it's like knowing okay, and you can like plan like how the mansion's laid out into your strategy of where to go next. So okay, I'm not going through this door because it's going to be those dogs that are going to fucking jump at me <laughs> and stuff like that. And then halfway through the game, it throws a curveball. So you, at one point, you have to go out of the mansion and go in for, like through like the guardhouse and stuff. Yeah. Then you come back thinking, okay, I've got this key. I can go through those assholes. I'm not being out. I'm not gonna have any problems. Then suddenly you get back to the mansion, and then Ooh. the hunters come in, and they're like so much tougher than the zombies, and like they can kill you like pretty much instantly, and it yeah. just adds like this whole layer of challenge to the game. For, okay. for, for me personally, it's kind of like a trial and error sort of game, and that's why the ink ribbons are quite a significant part of the game. You need to save at a place you know is comfortable and you've got the resources you need uh, mm. before you basically lose any and die prematurely, basically. Um, See, what I do mm. with the ink ribbons is I use multiple save files, so I know if I've absolutely fucked myself, I can go back to an earlier save. Yeah, mm. yeah. But, like, for me, like, there are points, like, when I first played the game, as soon as I ran through the door, the hallway, uh, with, like, all the kind of um, things that are being exhibited, and a dog kind of smashed through a window, I just panicked mm. and went, dog, and just died horribly. Um, but, like, uh, um, but now I know that you can run past that dog. And it's basically that try and error sort of experience you go through. And I like that, you know, it's not a game that's sort of determined by its actual length. It's by it's the length of the, that the player gives it. You know, it's the time that you take to, to learn and sort of uh, carry out the obstacles, as it were. And that's quite yeah. nice, I think. It's a bit like, also, it's a bit like a LucasArts adventure game. In a that's what I thought. I, when I was playing through it, I played for Remake before going back to the original. Yeah. But when I was playing Remake, I thought, the way that this game is laid out is like a point and click adventure game because yeah. you have to like run around this big space mm. and you've got to find certain like items to mm. know how to best solve the puzzles. And yeah. like, it's like, no, you pick up an item, it's like you don't know where to use it. Like, yeah, well, yeah. The, the big... The big cultural reference point for Resident Evil when it was being made was um, well actually I was going to say it was Alone in the Dark but it wasn't just Alone in the Dark there was actually it was Sweet um, Home as well Sweet Home which was uh, another game that Capcom had made and that was a movie licensed game as well remember oh, wow. 
But yeah, so the idea in that was that you run around a mansion, you know, picking up items and and solving puzzles and that sort of thing. But alone in the dark, like when you play that, it's it's so obviously a reference because yeah, it is trial and error. The game you run into a room、uh, and then a zombie comes up behind you through the door and kills you, and that's alone in the dark. And you just go, okay, I got to restart. I got to figure out what I did wrong. And it's to the point that. At the end of Alone in the Dark, you realise that there's an underground cave system that leads to an evil thingamabob. In Alone in the Dark, it's like a cult, like mystical, magical thing. But of course, in Resident Evil, here's the big tw- spoiler twist: there's a giant laboratory under the mansion, and、um, your buddy Wesker is working for the evil. Corporation making zombies. Oh my god! The, the shifty guy in sunglasses turned out to be evil. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, Wesker is sus from the get go, but the the game is adorable for the way that it plays it completely straight and doesn't really reference the fact that he looks incredibly evil the whole time. Just the、um, whole way the characters. Like I have to say it. I mean, it's going to sound horrible, but all the characters. Sound like they got like the IQ of five, just like in general. <laughs> like, what is it? What is this all about? I can't figure it out at all. Like、yeah. at one point, a zombie just shows up, and then like they kill it, and they go, "There's something very weird going on." It's like, no <laughs> shit, a zombie's just appearing in front of you. <laughs> it, get, it gets even worse towards the end when、uh, Wesker is explaining his master plan, and it's just the most garbled dialogue you've ever heard in your life. How come both Umbrella and you can intimidate him by taking his family as hostages? Umbrella? Well, I intimidated him. But it had nothing to do with Umbrella. It's just so wonderfully and hilariously bad. And yeah, and it was it was Japanese, you know, Japanese writers and translating into English. That obviously, whoever they got to do it didn't do the best job ever.、Uh, on top of English voice actors that they picked out from people who just lived in Japan. Who were also not given the best direction ever, and you just get the most wonderful voice acting plus writing in any video game ever. That has to this day not been not been topped. I don't think. Come with me. I'm sorry for my lack of manners, but I'm not used to escorting men. Did you guys know this game was originally when they were originally planning it? It was going to be. I think at one point it's going to be on the Super Nintendo, and another point is going to be a first-person game. Oh yes, yeah, I did know that. Yeah, well, they.、Um, I think it was Alone in the Dark was the thing that inspired them to go third person because they realised that With the fixed、um, cameras and everything. Yeah, so the fixed camera is one of my favourite details of the game because again, it feels very、um, B movie. One of my favourite movies of all time, Night of the Living Dead, which ha- again also has very fixed cameras all over like the house which all、yeah. the characters are in. And all the backgrounds、um, are pre-rendered. Yeah, so you're you're a little animated character running around these pre-rendered fixed camera things, and it's just wonderful because they can place zombies in places that you can't see、um, until you enter a certain point, and then the camera will change, and then suddenly there's like two zombies coming towards you. Yeah, things you really can hear them as well, like you hear zombies、mm-hmm. going, you can hear groaning, you hear the dogs running around. Yeah,、But、well, you the can. The ones you can't hear are the fucking hunters. Like, at one point,、uh, I, there I is. Up, they do have up, their own distinctive footsteps, which yeah. I yeah. But there's one no, point where I, I ended up absolutely just messing myself. I ended up in a situation where I had no healing. I thought 
There's this room I've not been in yet, which has herbs. I'm going to go back here. I know there's no zombies in this corridor. Uh, I was running down the corridor. The next thing I know, the camera changes. Fucking hunter jumps out at me, kills me. Amazing. Yeah, no. Well, I think actually in the remake, I think you're right. I think they the hunters do um, not make any noise. So actually, no. In the original, they have a little creepy footsteps that they do. But yeah, no, in, in the remake, nope. They they just jump at you yeah. immediately. Yeah, that's the thing with- and also, like halfway through, the, I mean, the hunters show up. They show up in corridors that were previously empty as well. So it's like, oh yeah, no, I, I had I had a horrible experience. I played the director's cut recently, and I played it on advanced mode, so hard mode basically. Yeah, I ran into a corridor which usually, in, well, in the remake, I don't think it has any hunters in it at all. But in the um, director's cut, it had three hunters in it. <laughs> so it was like, it was a real shock. Another thing that alters difficulty is the character you play as. Like um, Jill, she takes less hits before dying, but she has like eight inventory slots and the lockpick, which oh. allows means she can access more of the mansion. Here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the master of unlocking, take it with you. She also gets the grenade launcher, and she can get the shotgun without having to replace it with the broken shotgun. Chris only has six inventory slots and needs a key. So I'm not the doors of Jill can access with the lockpick. I started the game, my first playthrough was with Chris. And, uh, oh my <laughs> god. I remember <laughs> just thinking, I just actually said, I think I said to you guys, like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to finish this, like, <laughs> in the allotted time. I still didn't finish it in a lot of time, regardless. But still, when I played Jill, I, it was like a different game entirely. I couldn't believe it. The first zombie you come across gets killed for you. You have a lockpick, as you say, to unlock most of the doors. You get a, a grenade launcher just given to you. You get a pistol that's given to you. You save ammo, and... I oh, noticed there's a bloody... There's a bit I kept dying on with Chris, which is near the staircase, where there's three zombies. There's only oh, two, I love there, That's why it's room as well. It's my favourite room. Yeah, but, like, there's only two zombies when you play the Jill playthrough. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's when I when I played the because I I'd originally played the remake first, so when I also played the original for the first time, um, I played it after James had been going on about how hard Chris's playthrough was, and yeah, like when I played it, I was like, oh my god, there's like a ton of zombies, like way more than there is in even the remake. I think, I think it was I mean, in your words. You said it's less, it's 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 more forgiving or something like that, and I was like, right, let me give it another go, and you was like, oh my god, it was right, <laughs> like yeah, I mean, yeah it, like crazily. And that's the thing. Um, can we? Um, I just want to discuss something that they, they changed with the zombies for remake. Yeah. Mm. In the original game, you kill a zombie, it stays dead. In the remake, you kill a zombie, and it will stay there, unless mm. you either blew its head off with the shotgun, or you set its corpse alight using some kerosene, which is another resource you've got to keep track of. Yeah. If you don't do either of those things at any point. The zombie can come back as a crimson head, which is a faster, more deadly zombie that can kill you more easily. Yeah. <laughs> oh. This is what I love is that in remake they really make it more like an actual zombie, where it's like you've got to you've got to shoot it in the head. It also feels very again Night of the Living Dead because there's a bit in that where Ben, the main character, sets a, a zombie's corpse on fire. So it's like ah, oh, it feels more Night of the Living Dead, which is just great. Here's a lore oh, thing about the crimson heads. I don't remember where I read this, but apparently the um, Crimson Heads, they eventually evolve into the Lickers, which are enemies in Resident Evil 2. Ah, okay. 
I always wondered where the liquors came from because I always thought they were pretty weird and, and the original game has no explanation for them. So it's like, they're just these weird things with really long tongues that just turn up in Resident Evil 2. And I'm like, they weren't in the lab. Where did these ones come from? <laughs> I'm not going to spoil anything, but their instruction too is so cool. See, you run into the police station and then you see one crawling by a window. Then yeah. You go down the corridor and there's like blood dripping from the scene. There's a headless corpse. And then eventually you get a cutscene that reveals the liquors. Yeah, no, that's what I love is that a lot of the villains throughout the series, but especially in, in Resident Evil 1, a lot of the monsters get their own little cutscene play, um, uh, a little cutscene introducing them, which I really enjoy. Like the, um, the hunter has a brilliant one where it chases you through the, like, through the garden until it comes up to the room that you're in, which is just a really cool way to, to like freak you out when you realize, oh God, it's like right behind me. <laughs> yeah. So the very first zombie reveal. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so creepy. So creepy. Yeah. It turns its head around. It's great. And then like, and there's then... that big, like, crackling sound. You see the blood splatter beside you. It's like, oh yeah. my God. And in the, in, in the uncut version of the game, like, um, you, you see the cutscene extended where the guy who he's eating, head just rolls on the floor. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, it's so great. <laughs> Wasn't it like when you go up to the corpse, it says, like, it's a shadow of his former self or something like that? It does. so weird. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Like, all the weird sort of... The, the writing in it, when you come across, like, the journals and stuff like that, it's, it is, to be fair, really horrifying. Some yeah, of the things that are written cool. down. Like there was that one person that's working for the Umbrella Corporation or something like that. There are scientists that suddenly gets like a really bad itch. It starts mm-hmm. up and then suddenly the security around say he can't leave the premises. And then suddenly yeah. like the dialogue gets very weird. Like it, eventually it, it devolves into him saying like the, the, the security guard made me angry. Very itchy, tasty, or something like that. Yeah, he yeah. said like I killed him and ate him at that point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's the thing. He's that notebook you find in a room with the zombie. So basically, you end up having to kill that zombie. I think he comes, he springs oh, yeah. out of the cupboard and ta- attacks you. It's one of the creepiest things. So basically, again, we should really explain the context of this game. So there's a, <laughs> you. You are part of a SWAT team. You are either Jill or Chris, uh, called the Stars. And you come into this mansion after you were investigating a Bravo team, which is another SWAT team had gone out to investigate. They've disappeared. So you've gone out to look for them in the forest. And then you get attacked by the dogs, which we've mentioned. And then um, they, you run into the mansion, which is just apparently just built in the middle of this uh, forest, where you then discover that all of the scientists are dead and have been turned into zombies, and that there's even scientists inside this mansion. Why are there scientists here? In which, at which point you then learn that the entire mansion was a front for an, a secret laboratory built by the Umbrella Corporation, which is um, experimenting in bioweaponry. It's, yeah. it's so wonderfully silly, but at the same yeah. time, it's genuinely creepy. Well, it's creepy because with the scientists, you get all of these little notes and diaries and things where they talk about, like, yeah, how, they're, how they've now become infected. Yeah, that's the and thing. how they're dying, basically. <laughs> you piece together the story through all the notes you find. So it's not, a lot of it is not explicitly told to you. You have to like, read the notes to piece together the story. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you, you, you get, and the, the really hor- horrible stuff is when you get to, like, the laboratory at the end where, like, you start getting, like, faxes and, um, and communications from the Umbrella Corporation. And it'll be things like, 
yes, we are aware that like half of the science team are now dead. Quarantine everything. Make sure no one else can leave. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. horrible. And one of the cool things I found in Resident Evil 1 is um, that you get this email from um, a character, uh, an email. Yeah, John, and his part of the computer is Ada. Then in Resident Evil mm-hmm. 2, you come across a character called Ada who's looking for her boyfriend, John. Yes! It's so great. They actually, like, build that up as its own thing in the second game. It's wonderful. With my recent playthrough of the director's cut and the remake, they, I think they made them knowing that the people who played them had played the previous games or, or had played the original game, uh, Resident Evil 1, for the PlayStation 1. Because there are little touches where like like there's a window that you look through in the original game where you look out and you go, oh, look, there's a helipad over there. We can use that to escape. When you get to that same window in the director's cut, you go up to the window and a bunch of crows crash through and attack you. <laughs> oh, God, the crows. Oh, my God. Yeah, J- James, James's favourite um, uh, enemies were the crows. I literally shot every single one of them at one point when I really didn't need to. It was just like, it was a personal agenda at that point. I was just like, right, you're all going down. <laughs> it looks like he was killed by a crow or something. <laughs> also, or, um, like that, that puzzle, the paint puzzle. Oh, yeah, the painting puzzle, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why? Why is that a thing? It's just so weird and... Doesn't oh. make any sense. Oh, is that the um, the painting puzzle? Oh yeah, I remember playing the original, and I remember feeling so happy myself working that out for myself. Yeah, is that the one where you've got to like think to look at all the paintings? You've got to choose them like yeah, yeah. as a baby, then go up to the old man. Yeah, you've got to, you've no. got to pick them in the right order. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be up front, and you're going to not like me for this, but I used the tutorial for that one bit because I just That's literally fine. couldn't. Oh, okay. Honestly, Resident Evil throws you into so many like weird like things, and they don't really explain what you're supposed to do in a lot of them, and it is just like. Uh, just typical then you get, Luke, then you get attacked by crows and you're like no I'm done yeah <laughs> typical typical LucasArts adventure game that is yeah mm. let's talk about James's favourite part of the game oh, no. which is giant snake oh <laughs> yes we got yawned the snake so um, the snake I think is a really cool de- detail because it's kind of the first implication that we're not just dealing with zombies here. There's something else going on. There's a giant snake in the attic. <laughs> and when like, I say giant, yeah. like, I mean it follow you whole. Literally, I just, I could not believe it when I saw it. I was just like, literally like, oh, I finally got through this hard pit and then all of a sudden this snake appeared. I was like, snake! For <laughs> God's sake! Why is there <laughs> a snake? Why is one of the points where I get to brag? In the, in the remake... Admittedly, I was doing it, I think, not the hardest difficulty, but the difficulty just below that. I killed the snake with nothing but a handgun. What? How? (laughs) It kept, like, the the, the weird, like, when I was playing the PS1, his whole body kept, like, glitching my my character into a pillar or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I was playing... You've got to keep running away from it. I was playing playing remake rather than original for 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 that one, but... Uh, basically, it's the first encounter with the snake. Yeah. So you have two encounters, but basically, um, I ended up doing it with the shotgun because um, Chris didn't have the rocket launcher, and then I run into a crimson head um, in like a graveyard and died instantly. So I tried to kill a crimson head with a, the handgun. It's as much use as a one-legged man in an asking contest. Yeah. So I was like, 
let's go back to before the snake and see if we can do it with the handgun. And I did, and I, I, I said this to you in the chat. I was like, when we do this podcast, I am bragging about how I killed a snake with a goddamn handgun. <laughs> <laughs> was the remake made onto PC out of interest? Yeah, it has been ported to the PC, yeah. It was originally a GameCube exclusive because Capcom had an exclusivity deal with them. Ah, um, okay. At, at the time. Yeah. Now they bought Those the games that they made that were supposed to be exclusive yeah. ended up being ported to other consoles like Resident Evil 4 that was really supposed to only be for the GameCube but then like maybe like a year is on the PS2 as well I can't help but think about the controls I think the piss like the, the actual aiming system might be better done with a mouse potentially yeah but oh. that's the thing I love the tank control like the tank controls make the game scarier because like you're not able to like move around as freely so that right. adds to the tension they're basically this thing where you can run around but uh, the only way to shoot is to stand still and fire, and and you have to like slowly turn around, uh, like a real life tank. I just yeah, just to explain what what tank controls are. Dino Crisis has similar controls, but with um, Dino Crisis, you can ready your gun and shoot while moving around. Whoa! Now that's innovation right there. That is because um, of course dinosaurs are much faster than zombies. There's one puzzle which I found in the remake, which I found to be a bit of a nightmare the first time I played, at least because of the controls and the camera angles. So for this puzzle, you go into a room, you have to press a button, then run round and push a puzzle, uh, push a statue into a certain part of the room. I love that. Sounds easy enough, <laughs> but the, I was so disorientated by the cameras and like. Uh, the controls of like not no of not running the right direction I want to go. That it took me so many times to do it on my first and I was so frustrated. It's like, oh this this puzzle's awful. I hate this puzzle. It's hilarious. <laughs> because when you play it a second time round you literally like manage to do it just like in one go. Yeah, that's exactly when I did it as Chris did it in the first time. It's hilarious. Like you you'll yeah, you'll really struggle first time round with Jill where you'll be doing all these puzzles going, I have no idea how to do this. Oh, God damn it, I've screwed it up, so now I have to reset it. And then when you're just re- replaying it as Chris, you just like, like well, you, you live up to Chris Shredfield's name of running around and just owning every single moment. It's great. <laughs> oh, the, speaking of the two characters, thing, this is something that I think the second one did a bit better. Is in like the first... It developed so, on that. Yeah, first game, like you choose the character to start and you get basically you get an alternative version of events with the two characters and their their paths never cross till the end of the game when you rescue the other characters being held captive by Wesker. Yeah. But then in Resident Evil 2, they do something even cooler. You get two discs, one disc for each character. You finish the um, game as one character. So then you finish, you go put the second disc in and load your game. And you see the whole game from the other character's perspective. And certain items you picked up as the first character are unavailable as the second character. Oh, oh it's, 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 it is cool. They built upon Alone in the Dark, you play as either basically the woman character or the man character in that one. You know, you can see the progression from Alone in the, in the Dark to Resident Evil 1 to Resident Evil 2. It's very cool to see how they started playing with the character interaction i guess where like you know in resident evil one yeah it's just a simple case of like you basically play through all of the same scenarios but as the the different character and there's just a couple differences my favorite being the fact that chris can't play the piano but uh, jill can 
Oh, um, Chris has to get Rebecca Chambers to play the piano for him. Yeah, so Rebecca is a police girl from Bravo team who's managed to survive in, in the mansion for a while. And uh, yeah, you come across this piano, which opens a door if you play the Moonlight Sonata by Mozart. And um, Jill just like gets it and just immediately plays it because she can play the piano. And then when Chris tries to, it's like, oh. Sounded like Moonlight Sonata. So you have to let Rebecca start playing the piano for a bit. You go off and do something else, and then come back, and she's finally like figured out how to like play it properly. Oh yeah, and Rebecca as well. She ended up having her own game, which was Resident Evil Zero. Yeah, no, it, it expands on the on what happened to her, which is just hilarious because she's like goes through a horrible nightmare in, in Resident Evil Zero, and then the idea is that she then goes to the mansion in Resident Evil One, and it's like, oh great, <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't catch a break. Like, at least everyone else gets like they get to finish Resident Evil One, they get to the chopper, and then they all fly away happily ever after until a few months later when everything goes to hell in Resident Evil Two. And then in Resident Evil Three, which goes on during Resident Evil Two, Jill's got this big fucking thing chasing after her. Yeah, exactly. But at least she has a few months to chill out and you know get her tube yeah. top and her like short skirt that she wears in Resident Evil Three. It's kind of like annual leave, isn't it? It's like, yeah, take your annual leave before you take on the next nightmare. I think Chris showed up in Code Veronica. Then by Resident Evil Five, he's like punching fucking boulders. <laughs> so yeah, so Chris Shredfield, uh, in the first game, he runs away from boulders. Uh, by the fifth game, he's punching boulders. And by now, Resident Evil Eight, he apparently has become the boulder. Uh, <laughs> good old Chris. We all love Chris. He's the ultimate action man. He's no Leon Kennedy though. Leon Kennedy is a little twink, so Ooh. I have no time for him. <laughs> oh, he's twink, that's the thing. He, he, he appears in Resident Evil 4. Yeah, he's the main character. Yeah. <laughs> he first appeared in 2, and then in 4 he's like, sass, he's like sassing the bad guys and everything. No thanks, bro. <laughs> well, that that game embraced the kind of campiness that we, we saw in the original game that became... Less of a thing in Resident Evil 2 and 3, but then, yeah, Resident Evil 4 embraces the camp in a wonderful way. We definitely need to do an episode on Evil 2 still kind of has that, because there's a thing when you first meet, I think, was his name Marvin, in the police station, and he's like, there's been an incident involving zombies. (laughs) About two months ago, there was this incident involving zombies in a mansion. Oh, man. <laughs> we should talk about the live action opening at the beginning. That shocked me a little bit. Because, like, when I sort of boot it up, I kind of looked very closely at the, like... I'm assuming it's Chris that's being chased. He's like, oh, oh, right at the beginning, basically. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I was looking closely. It's like, is that real live action? Because I thought, no, the graph, like, CGI wasn't that good back then. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, hang on. It's this really is... cool. And then I realised the whole opening sequence is a live action sequence i couldn't believe it it was like oh wow Um, we make fun of it for having really funny acting like but it's important to remember in context like fmv videos had been a thing in games for a long time and they were always cd yeah and they were notoriously terrible most of the time the full motion video the thing about it like we we rag on it for being terrible but 
when you think of full motion videos for FMVs that were used in games before then, a lot of them were notoriously bad. So because the the first game is so well, or the, or the opening cutscene is so kind of abstract, where you don't really see much apart from the characters just wandering around, it actually works really well to kind of sell you on on the game. It doesn't feel like too terrible. Well, right up until they do the character introductions, where they show each of them individually. Chris Redfield, Jill Valentine. And then it becomes terrible. <laughs> yeah, it looks like an Action Albert Man sequence. Yeah, oh it's yeah, weird. Action Man via TV show from the nineties. Right at the end, Action exactly Man does like that. PSA's like, um, oh yeah, kids don't do drugs. There's so much more worthwhile things to do. That's I'm the thing. It reminded me. That's exactly what it reminded me of. <laughs> some people use drugs for all sorts of reasons. For instance, sometimes they use them to escape from life. When things get difficult, and I need a break. I'd rather climb rocks, climb trees, climb mountains, practice karate, practice Tai Chi, practice my free throw, skateboard, snowboard, windsurf, play baseball, play football, play piano, draw pictures, write a letter, write a book, write wrongs, watch a movie, watch the news, watch cartoons. Drugs can kill you. When there's all this cool stuff to do, why would I want that? Why would anyone want that? One thing I wanted to mention with the live the live action stuff at the beginning, we are actually right now living in a bit of Resident Evil One history. Recording this in、uh, in December of 2020, because if you check the credits of Resident Evil, you may notice that all of the cast、uh, of voice actors and actors are only credited with their first names. So for years we never actually knew who voiced or played these characters or played them in the live action、uh, videos. So for the last twenty four years, fans have been looking for <laughs> the original voice actors and cast. And most recently, we actually found Jill Valentine. We found Inez as she's as she's、um, credited. Wait, so、um, we don't we only found out this year that she was voiced. Yeah, we only、oh、found、God. out. This year, who、oh, wow. Jill Valentine, the original actress, was for for that role.、Um, she was still in school when she filmed it.、Oh, she was like a teenager. Not, I think she was like sixteen or something. Yeah, she、wow. was living in Japan. She was in school, so she was super young. And yeah, she was playing like this main character <laughs> who's supposed to presumably be in her twenties. She's twenty three. Yeah, well, that that would kind of make sense. <laughs> I don't know how she managed to get into the. Special SWAT team at twenty three, but I guess it's possible. That's so、um, weird. <laughs> it doesn't, but yeah. So Chris is twenty five. So yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. They should all be older. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the how what the age range. I guess like maybe if you start at like eighteen, you can maybe make it by twenty three. But it's all kind of it's you, when you go down a rabbit hole of trying to make sense of this world, it's going to be a very long way down. I'm afraid. I know that. This is the ultimate series where I do not care less about any of like the kind of serious storytelling or anything because Resident Evil has never been about that. 
it has dark elements in it, but for the most part, it is campy fun. You fight a giant yeah. plant later in the game. Yeah, it's not like Silent Hill. Silent Hill is where they're actually trying to tell like a more kind of like good story. Yeah. Well, I, I think like Resident Evil story is good. I'm just I just don't think it should be taken seriously at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Silent Hill has more serious themes. Like it, it goes into like really dark territory. The closest we ever got to that in Resident Evil One was in the remake with Lisa Trevor. So James, you won't know about this because you haven't played the remake. But no. um, there's an entire uh, side plot in Resident Evil Remake about Lisa Trevor, who's this weird mutant girl who lives on the outskirts of uh, the mansion. Oh, because she's she... like a guardhouse or something. Yeah, she was experimented upon by the scientists back in the 60s. And her father was the one who designed the mansion, which is just a wonderful way to explain why the mansion is so full of weird puzzles and traps is because they got this architect to make it and then, like, trapped him inside his own trap. Yeah, because I like um, Resident Evil 2, but it's a bit weird how, like, you've got this police station which has all these weird puzzles in it. Yeah, every every um, police station has its uh, giant gothic statues, uh, famously, uh, according to Resident Evil 2. But with Resident Evil 1, they actually go out of their way to explain why it's so weird, which is just quite funny. But yeah, so Lisa Trevor, she's this un- unbeatable, unkillable monster that follows you around in certain parts of the game. And it's just really creepy and weird. And, and reading about her story is super sad. So that's the closest Resident Evil got to being like super dark. And in, in the idea that this poor girl's like entire family are murdered and then she's experimented upon and then she escapes and she's just this weird deformed monster who's just wandering around the woods. It's great. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's a, a reason in itself to play the remake. Like, as someone who's played all of these games, like, I, I just enjoy replaying them over and over because yeah, there's always cool. stuff to discover. Yeah, it's like the um, music in the, the DualShock Edition is why you play the DualShock Edition. Yes. So the DualShock Edition is a version of the director's cut with some changes. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the um, one with the music? Yeah, so one of the big things with that was that they got um, a famous uh, composer to redo the music for um, the DualShock remake. So he was famously deaf at the time. It was like one of his big things was that he was a deaf composer and it was so amazing that he could do that. Which I guess at the time would have kind of, would have been a weird way of explaining why that like piece of music happened. But then it turned out even more weirdly that that deaf composer had been faking it the whole time. <laughs> and he'd like composed the music for um, the Tokyo Olympics or something. It was like a big scandal in Japan. The DualShock yeah. version is the one that you can get on like the PS3 store. So it's like, <laughs> like that's the only version that's available. Unless you get a PlayStation Classic, but why would you do that? Oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so towards the end of the game, you run into Wesker, who, as we've mentioned, Dun 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 is an evil bad guy. We know he's evil because he wears sunglasses. And he's running around in, inside a dark mansion, so I have no idea how he managed that. 
But it turns out that not only does he work for the evil Umbrella Corporation, but he's actually got his own agenda because the Umbrella Corporation have told him to destroy this big giant tyrant monster that they've got in the laboratory. So Wesker, he wants to rescue it because he considers it the ultimate life form. Which is just hilariously dumb because it's a giant, weird, naked, vain man. With a with claw on his hand. With a claw and its heart on the outside of its body. So the whole thing is just this dumb looking monster thing. But Wesker believes in it and he wants to save it. So that's the final boss, which I think is the, it's kind of the proto Mr. X, right? From Resident Evil 2. Like the idea. Yeah, that, that is right. Find these giant super soldier men. And I guess the tyrant was a failed experiment that Wesker has decided to fall in love with for some reason. <laughs> Here's where I get to brag because you fight, you fight tyrant twice, fight him once in the lab and then you fight him again at the very end of the game. So basically, you escape the lab. You get on the helipad just as the lab's about to explode. And then Tyrant, I think it's an upgraded super version of Tyrant, jumps out through the bottom of the floor and you have to run around, fight him until Brad in the helicopter throws you the rocket launcher. Here's where I get to brag. He's hit me twice. I pick up the rocket launcher. I aim it at him and I fire it literally just as he's about to hit me. So I think I was just about to die. But then I... I felt like such a fucking badass when that happened. Oh, it's great. Yeah. No, there's so many moments like that throughout the game where you just feel so awesome. I think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much is because you actually feel like, yeah, action hero. Like, other games don't really capture it as as well as Resident Evil does. Yeah, I think that's the thing with all Resident Evil games is at first you are intimidated by the zombies and you're like, let's run, run away. And then by the end of the game, you're just mowing them down and you feel like such. <laughs> it's like, because it's also um, it's always when you're escaping the it's secret lab that's about to explode and there's like zombies and you're just like whatever die die and it's just like so awesome you go from being Ashley in the Evil Dead to Ash Williams in Evil Dead 2 <laughs> and you, you run around with a chainsaw and a shotgun. Well, you don't get a chainsaw, so I'm so editing in the scene from that film. I know exactly what I'm editing. That's my favorite <laughs> bit of people Dead too. Did you know this game was ported to the DS? No. Yeah, there's a port on the DS called Resident Evil Deadly Silence. I think it changed a few things around. Like, um, it's pretty much the same game as the PS1 game. I think they've added in like a, some kind of like touchscreen mini games. I think the game takes place on the touchscreen and then like the maps on the top screen. And there's also an attempt to port this game to the Game Boy Color that was never finished. But if you look at the, if you can find the prototype on YouTube, it is so ambitious like, that they've tried to take this game and put it on the Game Boy Color. And they, I think they did an okay job at it. The thing I want to mention was that Sushinji Mikami, who is one of the lead designers of the game, one of the things that he wanted to do with Resident Evil was he wanted to kind of fix horror movies because he would watch a lot of horror movies, including the Lucio Fulci film Zombie. He'd be really irritated because characters would always do really stupid things. So that's the thing we always have in horror movies when we're watching, like, why are you doing that? Why are you, like, screwing up in this way? And now you've got yourself killed. Well done. 
Oh, so, it reminds you of one of the worst horror films I've ever seen. It's called The Chernobyl Diaries. Uh, oh I don't know why. I'm surprised <laughs> someone else knows about it. Like, it's garbage. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing it on like on like data or something when I was like 18, and it's like I think it was like the girl I, I was seeing suggested it or something, and I was like, okay, I'm not really watch horror films. And then it's it's like a found footage show, and all these people are on holiday in Russia, like. Oh, this guy can give us a tour of Chernobyl. It's like, why would you do that? Yeah. Why, why would you go into Chernobyl? You're basically asking for weird vampire people in the in the cellar. Yeah. Why would you agree to go and see? So I know I said we're going to Moscow. Yeah. You guys ever heard of Chernobyl? Yeah. That's where the nuclear disaster happened. Yes. Have you heard of extreme tourism? You're incredible. Who's coming with Paul to Chernobyl? Chernobyl. The thing is with with um, Mikami was that he basically saw a video game as the perfect way to fix this problem which is that if the player has control of the horror movie protagonist and they only have themselves to blame when they do something stupid and they get themselves killed so I just really liked that as a design philosophy is to is to rebuke um, horror movies <laughs> and explain this is what you should do when you come across a zombie the first thing you, you do is run away unlike the women in and uh, Lucio Fulci's zombie who just stand there screaming and then get eaten. Everyone always says, I think with um, this whole situation going on now, it was like, oh yeah, zombie apocalypse, we're going to be so bad. And, I'm like, and everyone's like, no, you're not, because video games are not real life. Also, it's worth noting that it, it was subject to films and stuff like and horror films that inspire Resident Evil. Resident Evil had its own film franchise, would you believe? Yes. And uh, yes, and um, I have not seen any of them. Neither have I. So I've seen a bunch of them, and they're all wonderful. <laughs> Wait, have you watched them, Ewan? Yeah, I love those films. Oh they are the worst things ever. If you are a fan of Resident Evil, they get the tone completely wrong. They are action movies. They have almost no horror in them, apart from really terrible-looking CGI monsters. And they add in this wow. character called Alice, who's basically the director's wife, who's like this. It's like super bad Earth warrior who can like take on like millions of zombies. Yeah, it's it's hilarious how ridiculous it gets, but I, that's what I kind of love about it is that it just has this really dumb charm, which doesn't match the dumb charm of of the resident of the original Resident Evil, but it does a good job. It tries. So I enjoy that. Plus, they actually did get some people to play Jill Valentine and, and characters like that occasionally, which is oh, kind of yeah, cool. they got they got what's his name, Captain Cold from the Flash TV show to play uh, Chris Redfield. Yeah, so stuff like that's neat. It's neat to see them in, in films. Valentine, they're infected. Right. I told you, I should have had. Okay, you know what? There's a giant shark in this game. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going to talk about the giant shark because we are not giving this game credit for the giant monsters that run around the mansion. <laughs> We've already spoken about the snake, but there's also the giant shark. Da, 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 da. Yeah, so in um, the funniest moment of all of uh, Resident Evil, uh, when you're playing as Chris, you go into this room, which you quickly realize is a giant shark tank of some kind. And uh, your buddy um, Richard is there. And you go, and again, Richard is a guy from the Bravo team. You go, oh man, Richard, it's so good to see you. And then a, and then a giant shark just jumps out and eats Richard right in front of you. Well, that's only in Remake, though. Cause in the, I think in the original, or at least only when you play as Jill, like mm. um, he's being bitten by Yorm the snake. And she yeah. obviously gets some serum for him. 
no matter how quick you are, he always dies. Yeah, so the remake fixed that in that you are actually able to run over and save him by getting an antidote. Oh, one thing we should point out, Richard has his own amazing voice acting moments. Demons everywhere or something like that, isn't it? This house is dangerous. There are terrible demons. Ouch! And then, of course, you then have to deal with this giant shark. And in both the original and in the, the remake, it is terrifying as this giant shark just swims towards you. And then when you take the water out of the tank, like, he's on dry land, this shark's just, like, flopping about, and it's yeah. so funny. <laughs> really, like, it's really scary, though, because, like, they, they managed to place the shark right next to the exit, so, like, it's flopping around, and every time I run past it, I'm like, is it going to, like, try and jump at me right now? It's little design details like that that make this game really clever and, and creepy because it throws you off guard. There's, a, there's an entire thing with a giant plant as well where you can you can cook up a formula that destroys its roots. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. There's so much in this game. James, get on this game. Play, play all of it. <laughs> all right. but and then play two. I will, I will, I promise. I'll make it two resolutions for like uh, 2021. I'll make it that I need to complete Resident Evil 1 and 2. But also, there is one bit that stuck out to me is when you go into a room, you unlock it with a key, and it looks like kind of like a shower room, but it's got like these little armoured, like basically like night armour surrounding mm. it. And there's basically like these little kind of sewers kind of like in the middle, and the two statues you can push on it. And I remember thinking to myself, I've seen enough Indiana Jones movies to know where this is going. I'm just going to push these statues here so that no sprays or gas or whatever is going to come out and, like, you know, melt my face or whatever. I'm just like, yeah, this is definitely inspired, you know. <laughs> what actually yeah. happens? I don't actually know what happens. If no, no, gas comes out if you step on the thing uh, at the wrong I was right. So that's the really cool thing. A lot of the traps, like, we, we should congratulate you earlier, James, for figuring out the uh, ceiling trap um, with the shotgun. That was so stupid. No, but it's no, but it was smart though because you actually did it the way you're supposed to deal with it. Because yeah, like you take the thing off the thing and you you go back, you go through the door and the the ceiling starts coming towards you. So you go back, you put the shotgun on it, and it fixes the problem. So it yeah, so that's technically how you're supposed to doing it. It's only because Jill gets rescued by Barry that it, the problem's solved. But I missed the Jill sandwich part, so I was messaging you guys about it, saying, and I think you guys at one point said, are you dead? And I was like, no. <laughs> just like, I just literally ran back and put it back, and you were like, oh. That was I was, like, oh. I was like, yeah, I didn't want to give away the Jill sandwich thing, but I was like... I know, I got disappointed. There's, there's a bunch of, like, little cutscenes with Barry that you can very easily miss throughout the game. There's a point where I fought... Because you fight the snake twice, I killed the snake, and then I had to go through the mansion basement, and then I came came back through the basement, and I got killed by two hunters as soon as I left the basement. Mm. And then I played that bit again, killed Yawn, and then Barry comes back with a rope, and I skipped the whole basement bit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, you can actually, like, you can skip over that entire bit because there's nothing in there that, that you need to get. You can just use a passcode. But Chris does not have Barry um, when you go down that hole, so you actually do need to go through that basement no matter what you do. And uh, in the director's cut, they put three hunters in the very first room of the basement for you to deal with. So they know what they're doing in terms of making it difficult and changing the way 
that the game has played. And this is um, very cool. There's, there's an interesting thing about the director's cut. I think the director's cut, um, part of the reason they released that was because they did an original version of Resident Evil 2, but it got scrapped. Uh, so they released kind of um, they released the director's cut with a demo of Resident Evil 2 to to like wet people's appetites. Should we talk about our favourite moments? I'm going to say Jill Sandwich because that is fucking hilarious. But <laughs> if, for a serious answer, I'm going to say the reveal of the hunters because it's it's mm. just the way you're just like, okay, I'm going back to the mansion. I can deal with this. I can, I'm just going to go through those last few doors, get what I need, and then I can escape the mansion. Then as soon as you get back into the mansion, you see this cutscene of like the of like the so first person perspective running through where you've just been. Then you see a green hand reaching towards the door that you've just come in through. They're very scary as well. I watched a video of the like of a hunter thing where they'd managed to kill it in a way where its face like hit like is right in front of the camera. And this was in the remake, so it's got like all of the beautiful HD detail. And it's just the most scary, creepy looking face, because it's like a weird reptilian monster. It's great. Yeah, yeah because in the um, original PS1 game, you can't really tell what they are. Yeah, they're just these weird, like, lizard, lizard people. <laughs> they're very weird-looking and creepy. I think my favourite bit, I mean, all, all of it is is great. I love certain moments, like, when you're running through the corridor and the dogs attack. One thing that's hilarious in the remake is that when you first run through that, that same corridor where the, where the dogs jump through the window, first time you run through the corridor, the, you hear a crack of the window but the dogs don't actually jump through the first time. I love little details like that where they're clearly trolling the players of the original game, where they're like expecting the dogs to attack and then they don't. But yeah, there's so many moments. I think for me, my favorite moment is probably the completely garbled dialogue with Wesker at the very end. (laughs) 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 It's the fact, again, I can't, do it verbatim we'll just get a little clip of it as he's talking but like oh my god it's just the the dumbest dialogue i've ever heard all this power will be mine for the sake of an awful creature don't be upset all weak people exist to be eaten it's just a mess and it, it always sticks out in my brain but uh, that and the credits music is also wonderful. But it's hard. Like, I, I, there's so many moments that are stuck in my mind. Like, oh, one thing we didn't even mention is the fact that one thing that caused a heart attack the first time it happened to me in the remake, um, zombies can knock down doors and follow you, which is just a whole other detail of the game. So if you don't... Yeah, if you don't kill um, zombies at certain points, like zombies that are next to doors, if you're running through by the adjacent door, they will barge through and attack you that way. So there's just, yeah, there's moments like that. I, I had a heart attack during the director's cut when a zombie actually did follow me through a door because they'd actually scripted one to do that. It's not in the basement. It's a completely different one. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's wonderful. James, I know you've you've had a very limited uh, experience, but what what was your favourite moment? Guess. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's like I mean we've already talked about it. It's the snake. Like come on, like literally, I could not believe that when it happened. Like literally, my brain switched off when it happened. I was like, what is this? 
What is this? <laughs> what is this place? Literally, and when I finished, to be fair also, when I actually finally did defeat the snake, I literally was over the moon. It took me like five times to beat it. And I was just like, I finally beat it! And I literally <laughs> had to run back to... Oh wait, no, I didn't run back, sorry. I had an antidote handy. So I got the antidote and I survived. And then I went on to kill some crows. It was a good time. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. So this is the, um, is it funny enough, if you don't have the antidote, Barry just comes along and takes you and gives you the antidote anyway. What? Why am I finding all this now? <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that... Um, one thing I really love, in, in with Chris's playthrough, you have to play as Rebecca a couple of times. First to get the antidote for Chris if he gets poisoned, but also um, with the plants as well. Later on, she um, she runs over and and has to do the to, and she has to make the formula to rescue Chris, and you have to go down into the basement and uh, and kill the plants roots that way. Mm. There's some yeah, there's so many little details that you can like you can completely miss because the game is. Um, Designed in a way where there's multiple endings. Yeah, and, it's and like I found out the hard way that Barry dies. Like, yeah, like, in one playthrough, I was like, no, I'll go off my own. I'll leave Barry stay here, and then Ooh. Barry ends up fucking dying. But then I reloaded, and I was like, okay, ba- I'm gonna have Barry come with me. It's very upsetting. Yeah, we all love Barry. He's 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 a lovable schlub. But yeah, no Rebecca as well. You need to rescue from a hunter at one point, or a couple of points actually. Um, and if you don't, that she dies, and that com- that can completely change the ending of the game. Like, if like the one time when I was being really evil and played as Jill, and I let both Chris and and Barry die. It turns out, if you do that, you don't even need to fight the tyrant the second oh, time yeah. round. You, you just you just get on the helicopter and leave. <laughs> you don't even blow up the mansion. You you can literally just walk out. And there's a little detail that, like, at the end that the tyrants escaped and, like, you've literally caused everything to go wrong. Oh, it's <laughs> like um, the Oddworld games where if you don't save enough Madokans, you um, oh. have a cutscene where Abe dies because oh, um, they're so all like, brutal. fuck you. <laughs> it's so unfair and unforgiving now, but we'll talk about it in another episode. It's, it's, I love yeah. this world so much. Yeah, of course. That's one of the things me and James bonded over. Yeah, when you mentioned Oddworld, it's like, Hold on, what? Yeah, carry on. Carry yeah, there's on. basically, yeah, I think you and you, me, both me and you liked Oddworld. Yeah. So then you was like, Rob, do you like Oddworld? I was like, oh, I love Oddworld. And suddenly James was like, oh my God, Oddworld. I think it was the moment when I said like, I'll take a photo of this, but basically I have the Oddworld um, art collection, the uh, Abe's Origins collection book. And then you said you had that too. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I had the um, was it, I had the um, CD as well. Yeah, yeah. You got you got the expensive version of it, and like mm-hmm. I mean, I just got the book. You got the whole shebang. Wow. So yeah, we are on social media. So if you're not already, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Bluecast Pod, and sub- also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And we are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out. And another thing, um, we have an email address, which is bluecast.outlook.com. Please email us like any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Um, um, you never know, we might decide to give you a shout-out. And also, like, give us a sh- uh, an idea of what you might want us to talk about as well. You know, Give us any suggestions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not the Teletubbies. We will never do Teletubbies. No, no, don't, don't, don't suggest Teletubbies, please. 
These are just all of the other Resident Evil games. Because uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, happily, I'll happily play them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll probably, okay. by next year, I'll, pre- I'll play Resident Evil 1 and 2 as well. And <laughs> also you need to finish watching Reboot. Yes, I'll do that as well, Rob, I promise. <laughs> okay, so James, do you want to discuss, to um, reveal what the next episode will be, which will actually, I think will be the first episode of 2021. Yes, uh, so we're going to be talking about the Alien film franchise. Not the new ones, but the original... The original say, four. The original four, yeah. So the original quadrilogy. So it'd be Alien 1, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. All films I love. I'm not sure about the others, so I think you've all got... Yeah, I think particularly um, Resurrection is going to be some conflicting opinions, mm. and I think um, Ewan's got some opinions on Aliens, which will be interesting to hear. Yeah, no, I, I, I have the weirdest opinions about we also, Alien. I mean, Ewan and I have also studied it quite closely. We've read books on it and written essays, so it's going to be a very good discussion. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, yeah. So until yeah. next time, we are Bluecast. Thank you for listening in. And also, because this is probably the last episode of 2020, mm. we want to say this is... Obviously, this year has been completely mad, but um, we hope you all, all stay safe. Have a wonderful holiday as, as much as you can. And um, we will see you next year. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Hey, that was all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for the next one in 2021. This is the ultimate life form. Tyrant. Chris? (laughs) Stop it. Wesker, you're pitiful.